God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to uh, clear our minds, to get rid of all the distractions of life, and to express our gratitude and love to you, to hear from your word, to hear from you, ideally, and to express generosity to this world we live in. We pray that that would be our heart, Lord, that we would hold on loosely to all that we have and be willing and excited to give to amazing organizations like Youth for Christ, to other amazing organizations of which there are a ton, and to your church. And we pray that uh, we as a church would be generous as well, that we would be looking to spend the tithes and our budget not on ourselves, but on others. And Lord, as we dig into your word, I just, I just ask that we would hear from you. Um, get me out of the way and let your truth penetrate our hearts. We love you so much, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray all these things. Amen. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 11 in Philippians is what we are going to be looking at today. Go ahead and turn there if you want to. And the first word is therefore. Whenever I see a therefore, it's a reminder that this is not where the message starts, that there have been some other things that we have been talking about. It's a reminder that this is a letter, that it wasn't divided up into chapters and verses originally. And that if we were just reading this letter through, there would be some other stuff before where we are today. So I thought it'd be a good idea to just kind of remind ourselves of what the therefore is. Uh, A couple weeks ago, Kevin spoke, and I was sick. And I have to confess, I think it was at second service three weeks ago, I said I didn't want to come to church the next week because the Cowboys were playing. I made this little off-the-cuff remark. I think God was like, oh. You don't want to come to church? Watch your cowboys get smashed? Great, I'll make you sick for the whole week. Take that one. I was miserable. I had had 104 fever for like five days. I haven't been that sick in a long time, so I will never say I don't want to come to church again. And watch the cowboys get beat. Anyway, I did listen to the podcast of Kevin's talk. He talked about a singular focus on Christ. How we have a community, what would that look like if we had a singular focus on Christ? He used the great example of him and his soccer focus, which I still haven't seen the picture. I want to. But that was kind of the point, the singular focus. He talked about Paul saying to live is Christ, to die is gain. And the way that Paul lived the gospel. Talked about living lives worthy of the gospel. Do we live lives worthy of the gospel? And last week, somewhat unintentionally, Rob came and didn't talk out of Philippians, but, but the message kind of flowed right into it. For living lives worthy of the gospel. If the church is doing that, we are the translators of the gospel to the world. And if we're living what Christ has called us to live, then the world will see the true gospel. Great talks, challenging talks, some hard stuff. And I'll just be completely honest. Sometimes when I hear hard talks and challenging stuff and I read what was in Philippians before this, I start to get a little down. I start to get a little 
oh, man, I've got to do more. I've got to work harder, Ryan. You've got you to do this stuff. You're a failure. You've got to, come on, get out there, work. And I start to slump my shoulders a little bit. Now, this is my problem, I admit it. This is truth and scripture that's being taught. But I just start to get this feeling of, man, I'm just a little down. And I talked a few weeks ago on the good news, and I, I get that person over here. Was, I, I don't know if this is that good. I mean, this is just hard, and I'm, I'm feeling like I've got to work harder, and I'm just not doing this thing right, and I've got to do it more. And this week I was listening to a, a sermon, and in the sermon, the pastor said, the gospel always costs us something. And that we in America today are basically the only culture throughout history and currently that has not believed this. Every culture has always known, and they do know now, the gospel always costs us something. And we don't. And so, maybe my mood, maybe I'll convince you of it by the time we're done. But I went, uh, I don't know if I agree with that. Because... That doesn't seem like that great of news. Now, when I'm not on that attitude, I'm on the attitude of, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing a lot. I feel sorry for those poor folks who are not loving Jesus like I am. And I'm going to do my best to explain to them how to love Jesus. Because I've got it good over here. I'm doing a, I'm doing a great job. So I'm either a little bit discouraged, slumped shoulders, or a little bit like arrogant and proud. And frankly, neither of those seem like very biblical attitudes pertaining to the gospel. So I ask myself, Ryan, what, what's going, what are you missing here? What's going on? Because Paul said in Ephesians this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. What a, I mean, talk about addressing both of my problems. First, it is the gift of God. One of the things I love about gifts is they don't cost me anything. That's why I really like when you give me a gift, because I didn't have to pay for it. And I say, thank you. That means a lot. That's really nice. Thank you. Salvation is the gift of God. The gift, the free gift. We've been saved through faith. And secondly, addresses not of yourselves, not of anything you've done, Ryan. So this idea of you boasting over here and thinking you're, no, 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 that's the whole point. You have been given a gift. Stop the boasting. And it's free, so stop the slumped shoulders. And I say, okay, yeah, I like that. And we know what we mean when we say the gospel costs us. I mean, we know what that means. But I think, unfortunately, we use that terminology so much that it starts to taint the message. Instead of, hey, I have been given a beautiful, free gift that has transformed my world. It will cost you nothing. God has a gift for you. Do you want it? We say, oh, well, the gospel's going to cost you. You sure you want this? Came across on my trip to San Fran. I, you know, I've, I got a lot of illustrations out of that trip. I think I need to go to San Fran more. Came across this lady in a Starbucks. And I think to me this is the way we often represent the gospel. or It's, it's pictured like this. She has a sign here. and You may not be able to read it, so I'll read it for you. 
Jesus Christ loves hearts everyone is the beginning. Awesome. Love it. Jesus Christ said it's more blessed to give than to receive. If Jesus was walking among us, he wouldn't walk by without helping. Have a blessed holiday. And so I saw this lady, and I was, Jesus Christ loves everyone. Yes, praise the Lord. Yes, he does. And are you going to buy me my Starbucks? I mean, here I am. If Jesus were here, he would do it. And immediately I kind of like, oh my gosh, Ryan, right, what are you doing? Look at this poor woman. She's in a wheelchair. You need to buy her her Starbucks. You need to ask her if you can. And I'm just, oh, I got the slumped shoulders again. Now, maybe I'm the only one that ever lives like this. I have a feeling I'm not because I've talked to some of you. And it would be really embarrassing if I was the only person. That's the way I get. And so that's this therefore. And then you pile on some of the other stuff Paul's been talking about. Suffering. Suffering for Christ. We've talked about people sharing Christ for wrong motives, about dissension and strife among Christians. And you pile that all down, and it starts, man. This last week I was reading a blog report on a, another pastor I'm aware of, and the blog was just bashing this guy. He's a heretic, false prophet, don't listen to him. And I've listened to him, and I hear him preach Jesus. And I frankly just want to go, you know what, I am done. I just give up. This, is, this isn't worth it. This is just making me frustrated and angry, and I'm done. And then I go, but wait. Paul said this is, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. This is a gift. We're bringing light to the world. What, what am I missing here? And if we're not, as a community of people who follow Christ, bringing some wonder and some light and some beauty and some gifts to the world then I'm not sure they're going to be very interested. Because the world can find dissension and argument and slumped shoulders and feeling not good enough in a variety of sources. I don't think they're going to come running to Christianity for that. So that's where I was at. I'm, I'm kind of like, man, this is hard. What am I missing? This is my problem. And that's the therefore. It encompasses all of that. Now, I won't talk that long on one word the rest of this talk. But that, to me, is where we're at. Hey, there's a lot of hard stuff here, guys. Therefore, what does Paul say in verse 1? If there is any encouragement in Christ. And I say, yes. Good. I, this is what I'm wanting, Paul. Some encouragement in Christ. And the if is also since. Since there is encouragement in Christ. And there is a lot of times in all of our lives. And I go, yes, Paul, preach it. Keep going. If there is any consolation of love. Since there is a consolation of love. Yes, Paul, keep going. I want that too. I want more of that. If there is any fellowship in the Spirit, fellowship is koinonia. This is communion, conversation, one with the Spirit. If there is any of that, Paul, again, yes, keep going. If there is any affection and compassion, Paul, these are all things I want, I feel them sometimes. Yes, what are you going to tell me? Verse 2. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Oh, Paul, wow, okay. A lot of same in there. Same mind, same love, same spirit, same purpose. 
Oh, that's a lot of same. I don't, I'm, I don't know, man. I'm kind of a rebel. I don't know if I like all the same. Paul says, hey, well, let's look at the word phreneo. It's the same attitude, the same opinions of oneself. Harmonious striving for the same objective. Okay, phreneo, yeah, I'm kind of digging that. But, but frankly, Paul, if I'm just going to be real honest with you, maybe this worked in Philippi. Not going to work today. For example, Paul, how many of us are Windows fans? Raise your hand. You like Windows. How many of you are a Mac fan? Oh. <laughs> All right, let's do it again. Windows, Windows, Mac. All right, look at this. We can't even agree on operating systems. Now, if you were a Mac fan, how many of you think the iPad was cool? How many of you don't? We're Mac fans. We can't even agree on whether the iPad was cool. I spent like an hour arguing this week about the iPad with somebody. What am I doing? All right, how many of you thought Avatar was a great movie? Wow. An amen even. How many of you thought Avatar was a lame story but good effects? Okay. Dissension, strife. Okay, how many of you are Democrats? Kidding, kidding, joke. <laughs> Don't raise your hands. We'll have too much strife going on in here. I mean, we, Paul, really, I mean, we can't even agree on Mac, Windows. We can't agree on Democrat, Republican. We can't agree on health care, on taxes, on homosexuality, on divorce, on women in leadership, on war. Heck, Paul, sometimes we can't even agree on who's going to heaven and who's not. I mean, Paul, we can't even agree on the gospel at times. I'm speaking we in the bigger context here. Maybe we all could, I hope. But Paul, there's this, this, we can't agree on anything. You want us to have the same mind, the same attitude, harmonious relationship? I think Paul would say a couple things to us. First, yes, you act like children half the time. And that's why I say avoid chatter and, and arguments and worthless debates. And secondly, I think he would say, this phreneo, man, listen to this, phreneo, comes from the root of the diaphragm, the deepest part of you, the foundations. What is the root system to all of you? It should all be the same. That vine, you know, he is the vine, we are the branches. Heard it before. This idea of, yeah, we're branches producing fruit supported by this vine, by this root system of Christ. This root system of Phreneo. Okay. All right, Paul. Yeah, okay. I, I could be convinced of that. Maybe we can do that. Then he says, goes on in verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Since Kevin has been on staff, I have copied Kevin, and I say, that's ridiculous a lot of the times. I go, that's ridiculous. Kevin says it all the time if you know him. Sorry, I love it about you, Kevin, though. So I read this, and I went, all right, Paul, now you're just being ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Do nothing from selfishness. Paul, nothing? You, really, you want me to do nothing from selfishness? I mean, I'll, I'll be happy if I do 
one thing every day out of a selfless attitude. Paul, regard one another as more important than yourself. As one of our elders said after first service, that's not even American. I mean, Paul, regard one another as more important than myself? Come on. Are you kidding me? Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Again, Paul, you don't understand what it takes to look after my interests. I mean, I'm pumped if I can look out for my interests, my wife's, and my three kids. That's a lot of interests. I'm pretty proud about that. And then maybe I throw in a couple interests of some close friends when they're going through a hard time. But Paul, for the interests of others, I mean, all this group? Paul, I don't know if I can do this. This is getting hard again, Paul. I'm starting to get a little bit slumped shoulders here. And Paul, I don't know, this might be too hard. But Paul, but wait, wait, wait. You wrote this thing as a gift, and it's beautiful, and I believe it's beautiful, and I believe it's wonderful, and I believe it brings light to the world. And why, what am I missing here? Why am I getting the slumped shoulders? I was reading a business book, and normally I wouldn't quote a business book in a sermon, but hopefully you'll get it when I read it. I think it's very appropriate. The books start with why, and it's talking about companies that, that don't know why they're doing what they do. And this is the quote that was from the book. What authenticity means is that everything you say and everything you do, you actually believe. Without that, companies resort to manipulation. Pricing, promotions, peer pressure, fear, take your pick. Effective, of course, but only for the short term. And I read that and I went, Wow, man, does that sound like Christianity a lot of the times. Oh yeah, we've got some great manipulation tactics. We've got good pricing. We've got good promotions. Get out of hell now. We've got some great peer pressure. We've got fear like crazy. Oh my gosh, fear. You've got to worry about this, worry about this, worry about... <gasps> Take your pick. We use all kinds of stuff. And are they effective? Oh yeah, I mean, we could leave here feeling pretty guilty for a couple hours. Does it work long term? I don't know. Christianity is declining like crazy. I don't know. And it gets back to this. Do you say and do what you actually believe? And I thought, hmm, I wonder if that's appropriate. Ryan, do you really believe this with passion? Because if you do, it's going to come out in everything you say and do. And then I thought, okay, so what do, what do I need to believe? And I think Paul gives us the answer. And Paul says, Ryan, I've got some great news for you. I've got something awesome for you. And here it is, verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Now, at first glance, you're kind of going, uh, Ryan, okay, that's not really that good of news, actually. That kind of makes me feel like I've got to do some more again. I think this passage of Scripture is one of the most important in the entire Bible. I think this passage of Scripture, when we get it, blows our mind. I think when we get this, it inspires us. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And we leave here with a smile on our face, ready to have some fernail. So let's see if I can convince you of it. First, I think it's important we talk about God's. Now, you'd say, well, Ryan, yes, we were at church, we always talk about God, and I'd say, you're right, but I think it's important to remind ourselves of a couple things about gods. One, every culture has a God. Christianity is not exclusive to a God. Religions have them, cultures have them, I mean, they're, they're everywhere. And I found a couple examples for you, some, some good ones. Shango. Shango comes from Africa. Shango is a god in Haiti, the god of weather and thunder. It's a voodoo god, basically. Bumba. Bumba. That's a great one. (laughs) Bumba is a god, I love this, who vomited up the earth and creation, only to leave and never be heard of again, although his stomach didn't hurt. Okay. Japanese god, Susanoo. Susanoo had numerous tantrums and threw things all over the place in heaven until he was thrown out and he came to earth and asked for some booze. The Norse god, Loki. We've heard of him, right? Loki. The guy cheated and deceived his way into becoming a god. Or the Greek god, Eris, the god of war, who loves war and violence but he does love affairs a little bit more. second thing we need to remember with gods is, if you believe in a god, it affects the way you live. So your ideas of God affect the way you live. So, you're in Haiti. You have the god Shango, the god of thunder and weather, and you have an earthquake. What are you going to believe? Or Bumba, Bumba, God who vomited up the earth, created you with vomit to leave and never be heard from again. Uh, What kind of interactions are you going to have with that God? Or the God who threw tantrums in heaven and came to earth to ask for some booze. I mean, how's that going to affect you if that's the God you worship? Or the God who deceived himself into becoming a God? Or a God who loves violence and war and having affairs? So you go, okay, well, Ryan, what's the point? Well, I believe in a God. We believe in a God. And frankly, that God that I believe in, depending on my view of that God, is sometimes going to make Ferneo with all of you sound really discouraging, and I'm going to get slumped shoulders and go, I don't know, this is hard. Having the same mind, suffering, living lives worthy of the gospel, on and on. And it's affected by my view of God. And that's why I think Paul reminds us in this passage, and it's so important, the God we serve. Because Paul says this about God, about Christ Jesus. Have this phreneo. Paul says, while we're talking about phreneo, your attitude, what drives you, well, this is the phreneo of Christ, who you call Lord. 
This is it. Ready? He existed in the morphe of God, in the image, in the character, in the form, in all of that encompasses of God. And he moved into the morphe, the image, the character, the form of a bond servant being made in the likeness of a man. Wow. Okay. And this human, who did this, this morphe of a bond servant made in the likeness of man, this person did not grasp equality or did not feel as he had, he had the authority, hegome, the quality of God, a thing to be grasped. But he laid aside any equality with God himself. I mean, these are some pretty powerful statements. Because gods generally don't do this. See, gods are thunder and violence and lightning and vomiting up creation. Not God saying, yes, I'm in the form of God, and I'm going to give up that to be, become the form of a bond servant. And I'm going to become obedient, even obedient to the point of death on a cross. Well, God, well, whoa, that's, really? Gods do that? That's a, that's a different kind of God. And I think we have to ask ourselves, do we really grasp the extent to which Christ loved us? To which God loves us? Because sometimes we, we say, you know, God became a human, you know, it was really nice. He came to earth for 30 years and died and rose again. And, you know, it was pretty, you know, it was nice, really neat he did that. No, God becoming a human, I don't think we can even grasp what that cost him. A God taking the morphe of God and becoming the morphe of a bondservant and taking on the likeness of a human being, that costs a lot. That is the weakness, if you will, of God. There's a quote I came across last week. Simon Tugwell says this, Before we get carried away with thoughts of God's power, we should listen attentively to what St. Paul says about the weakness of God which is a vital part of God's self-revelation. If we look at the way he discloses himself in Jesus Christ, we have to acknowledge that he does not come into our world with a great display of superior power. In fact, this was one of the temptations which our Lord had to resist in being contrary to his mission and contrary to his true nature. The weakness of God, wow. For what? Because of his love for us. Read 1 Corinthians 1 if you want to when you go home. The weakness, the foolishness of God. God shames the wise with foolishness according to this world. It's all about this idea of God turns everything upside down because of his love for us. And we have no comprehension, I, I fear, of what it costs God sometimes. We say it so nonchalant and we don't get it. And that's why we say, God, you want me to give up 10% of my income? And God says, Ryan, do you know what I gave up for you? Do, you? do you get it? Do you get how much I love you and what I gave up for you? 
God, you want me to give up my time for these people? I mean, I'm busy. Ryan, do you know what I've given up for you? Do you get it? God, you want me to have the same mind, the same, the same attitude, the same foundation as all the... Ryan, now I want that foundation to be this incredible love I have for you. Do you get that? God, you want me to give myself up? You want me to give up my life? Be obedient to death on the cross? Yeah. Ryan, do you get the kind of God you serve? Do you get it? And Paul finishes. For this reason, for this reason, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Two quick things. Every name, or sorry, every knee. Every knee will bow. In the Greek, every means every. (laughs) Who are in heaven, who are on earth, and are under the earth, representing those who have died. Every knee will bow, and every, again, every, tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so I go, why? Why will they? Kind of gets back to our view of God. God going to bring out some thunderbolts and force them? Is God going to get angry and violent and force them? I don't know. I think the world, when they grasp the love of God, when they grasp what He has given up for us, will be forced to our knees in humility and weeping. Because we are overwhelmed with such love. We are overwhelmed with a God who would do that. And we can't help but say, You are Lord. You are worthy. Kind of at this point where, you know, it's, I feel like it's the fork in the road. We can go down this path of some more hard things to do. We've got, we got to do some more hard things, people. You've got to leave here. You've got to leave here feeling like you've got to get out there and do some stuff. And if you're not doing it, you need to be worried. You need to feel guilty. And I can, I can pull out a bunch of tricks and fear and manipulations and promotions. We do it all the time. We're good at it. Or we can take this path, which I think Paul does, in describing this incredible God that we serve and say, do you get this God that you serve? Do you truly understand the love of this God? Do you understand that this God has given up so much in love for you? I think that one is harder to understand. I really do. I feel like I've had movement in that direction, but it's a harder one to understand. But I think it's the one that long-term motivates us, truly. And I said earlier, I disagreed with the idea that the gospel costs us. And that the gospel is hard. And those are the messages that are there. But I I don't want to throw that away because I have a slight twist on that. I think the gospel is so beautiful and amazing 
that it inspires us to do very hard things. And that's a different message. We're still doing hard stuff. There's still cost. But it's because we are so inspired and amazed by what God has given us as a free gift. By what God has given up. That we can't help but give up ourselves. And I get passionate about this. You know, I, I feel like the Christian message has become, it's really hard and you need to feel guilty and it's tough. And you got to do more, and you need to leave here trying to do more, or else. And I get worried we're missing out on the beauty, on the wonder, on the light, on the joy of the gospel message of a free, beautiful, incredible gift that inspires us to go change the world. Faith without works is dead, James says. Yeah, because faith in what we should have faith in, inspires us to work hard. And if it's not, what is the faith? So my prayer for us, for me, is that we get this. I feel like sometimes I'm beating a dead horse in my own life, or God's beating the dead horse over me, saying, Ryan, get this. I want you to get it. This is what is going to move you to work hard and to give up stuff for me. Stop over here, the slumped shoulders and the boasting when you do do it right, and get this free, beautiful, wonderful gift. Get that I'm a weak God in some ways who gave up or who expressed weakness for you. And then I want you to follow in that same way. Let's pray. God, I, you know my heart. This is not a feel good, everything's going to be great, it's never hard talk. But Lord, I do feel like we so often dwell on the everything's hard that we forget why we're doing the hard things. Lord, that we start to have twisted views of you, honestly. That we forget that you are a God who became a human. And we forget what the, just the power of that simple statement. Lord, that simple statement should rock our world. A God who becomes a human, let alone a bond servant. Lord, as I pray to you often, I pray again for myself and for this community of believers, for Christians around this country, that we would get it. That we would get what you have done for us. That it would not be these nice little terms we throw out, but that it would have powerful meaning, because it does. Meaning to transform and change us. Lord, help us to grasp it. And help us to rejoice and express amazing gratitude and glorify your holy name for the awe-inspiring God that you are. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who was obedient to death on a cross and rose again.
We pray all of these things in His name. Amen.